When I became a foster mom four years ago, I quickly realized there weren't many resources for foster or adoptive parents, much less for the millennial generation. That's where the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast comes in. Welcome to a no-frills look at the journey of foster parenting. It's millennial motherhood with real chats about all things foster care, from navigating home visits, court hearings, bio parents, and quote-unquote, getting to attach. Please join me every week for an honest conversation about foster care and adoption as a millennial mom. Welcome to the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. Welcome back to the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. My name is Brittany and I am a millennial foster and adoptive mom. My husband and I have had 10 kids in our home since we became licensed in 2016 and we have adopted three kids. We currently have four kids under eight and our youngest is four. We have one foster placement right now, but if you'd like to hear more about our story and how we came to foster, please consider listening to episode one titled Our Foster Care Story. So for this episode, we are continuing our mini-series on post-adoption oppression and anxiety. The first week of the series, I shared my story, and last week I was joined by Caitlin, who shared her story with post-adoption oppression syndrome. And this week, for our final episode in this mini-series, I am joined by Amanda McWhorter. Amanda holds a very special place in my heart, which you'll hear me say in this episode more than once. On one of the hardest nights of my post-adoption oppression journey, I was scrolling through Instagram and looking at tags for post-adoption oppression just to find some semblance of company in my dark time. I stumbled across Amanda's post using the post-adoption oppression hashtag and read the caption, and I was stunned because I had finally found someone who described exactly what I was going through. I messaged Amanda, who was at the time a complete stranger, to thank her for sharing her experience online, and we started messaging back and forth, and the rest is history. So I felt to honor not only my story with post-adoption oppression, but also Amanda's story. She will be the final guest for this mini-series sharing her experience. So this is a very vulnerable conversation we're having, but it's so important because over 26% of adoptive parents experience this. And I don't know about you, but post-adoption oppression was not covered at all during our trainings. So I really want this series to talk about the different ways post-adoption depression and anxiety can manifest itself. I hope you can listen to Amanda share her experience with post-adoption depression and connect to her story. This conversation is pretty candid, and I tried to keep my editing to a minimum, but as a disclaimer, the episodes of this series may be triggering, so I would like to put a trigger warning since at times we will be discussing some hard things. I also want to say I am in no way a doctor or healthcare professional, and if you identify with anything we are discussing, I urge you to reach out to your healthcare provider. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about you, Amanda. Well, um, I'm married. I am a mom of four. We um, live in North Carolina and um, we're currently homeschooling because of the pandemic. So that's Mm -hmm. been a really fun (laughs) (laughs) um, challenge, I guess you could say. But yeah. So who lives in your home? So um, it's me and my husband and then we have four kids. Uh, my oldest is 14 and then nine, eight, and then five. And um, I was supposed to mention our favorite pet, Jeffrey. He is a snail. <laughs> I love that. So Jeffrey gets a highlight for today. Um, <laughs> so how yeah. did you get Jeffrey? Like, how did that come oh, about? Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Okay. So my eight-year-old, Easton, mm-hmm. 
um, he had a, a beta. And, you know, betas, like, are supposed to live forever. Right. So, but you can't put a beta with any other fish because they'll, like, attack it. Mm-hmm. But so he was like saving up and he was like, I'm going to get another fish. I'm going to get another fish. And I was like, okay, but I don't think you could put another like fish in there with Queen Elizabeth. That was Mm -hmm. her name. I love that. And um, (laughs) so we go to the pet store and the guy's like, yeah, I'm sorry, buddy. You can't do that, but you can get a snail. And he was like, (laughs) wow, you mean I could get like a real snail? And the guy was like, yeah, you can. You can get a real snail. So we come home with this snail in this, you know, bag and he's like, mom, I'm going to name him Jeffrey. And I'm like, I think that's a great name. I well, love that name. like the next morning, Jeffrey was eating Queen Elizabeth. <gasps> oh my goodness. Yeah, it was, um, it was pretty bad. Oh gosh. That sounds very traumatic. So now um, we just have Jeffrey. <laughs> wow. I feel like we could almost do a whole episode just talking about having a snail for a pet. But oh, we could. We, totally. we will have to revisit that <laughs> for another day. <laughs> but I'm really invested in the story yes. now. Well, um, we have- but the main, the main pet is the snail. That's so. awesome. <laughs> um, so how did your family decide on adoption? Well, um, adoption was um, something that was always on my heart. I actually lived in a children's home um, for a period of time growing up. And so just kind of seeing um, kids coming in and out of the Mm -hmm. system um, was just, you know, something that when when you live it and you face it um, and you see it kind of in your everyday life, it was just something that like a seed was planted Mm -hmm. and just decided that, hey, when I get older and I get married, like this is something that I really Mm -hmm. want to do. And um, after my husband and I got married, I had Ansley, I had Logan from a previous marriage and Ansley and Easton came pretty quickly after we got married. And, um, it was kind of like, okay, are we, you know, this is something we've always talked about. Is it something we're Mm going to do? And it just kind of happened. And we honestly thought that we would adopt domestically, but it didn't happen that way. We ended up adopting internationally and chose South Korea. Wow. So So what did your post-adoption depression or post-adoption anxiety look like? Um, well, I think, um, for me personally, I think it, I think it's always like this slow spiral, Mm -hmm. but, um, for me, it had a huge, um, I'm trying to think of the word, um, like it, it came to a head very Mm -hmm. quickly, um, and kind of had a really strong push into reality. Um, we adopted Matthew, obviously from South Korea and he came home in June of 2017 and um, he was pretty severely neglected. We were battling a diagnosis of autism mm-hmm. and just, there's so many questions that just wrapped around this two year old little boy that of course you think, you know, but you don't mm-hmm. really know. Um, and so for me, it just, um, it was a spiral effect from all the questions, all the things that were so unknown. Um, and it just, it just started to just unravel and unravel. And then one day it just escalated to a point that I knew I needed okay. help. Do you remember the Instagram post that you made about post-adoption depression, the way that I found you? I do. I do. Um, So I think I might share, uh, is your Instagram page public or I think it, 
Okay. Yes, it is. It's, I think it's I might yeah. share a link to that because I remember reading yeah. that caption and I had never felt so connected to the idea that somebody knew how I felt. Um, this right. is such an isolating path um, and, you know, hardly anybody yeah. talks about it. And so to right. find, you know, you who had experienced the exact same thing, like, some of the words right. you even used, I remember, like, it was just the exact same thing I had experienced. And, right. you know, what an angel you are for <laughs> accepting a message oh, from gosh. a complete stranger. <laughs> um, and one of my darkest points telling you that, you know, how much that Instagram post made meant to me. So, oh, wow. um, well, thank you. No, I mean, thank you. I just, it was it means a lot to me and I still hold that in my heart. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely think it's, it's a subject that, that nobody talks about. I mean, even in the adoption mm-hmm. world, like, you know, when you're going through foster care adoption, like you kind of learn the lingo and you kind of know, like you're, you just kind of like, you're grabbing for people's stories and you're grabbing for mm-hmm. hope and you're grabbing for circumstances and situations that kind of look like yours, but nobody is talking about the hard right. stuff. Nobody is talking about the stuff that like you're in your closet praying nobody finds mm-hmm. out about. I mean, nobody is talking about it. And even in my tight little circle of women that traveled to Korea together, that brought home these beautiful mm-hmm. babies, even in that circle, as close as we were, never once did I say, hey, is anybody feeling Mm -hmm. this way? Is anybody experiencing this? And for me, the, I think adoption is beautiful. I think that there is so much glory involved Mm -hmm. in it. Um, but I also think it's really Mm -hmm. messy. Yes. And I think people, even me included can be afraid to just share the messy parts Mm -hmm. of it. Um, but I think the beauty is, is that it's because it's messy that makes it so raw and ultimately so beautiful. I mean, it's because of all the broken pieces that eventually come together that makes it, you know, what it Mm -hmm. is, but it is, it's, it's something that nobody talks about. Mm -hmm. Um, even when you bring it up, people are like, what does that, is that even real? I know. And you know, I feel like (laughs) I've never had biological kids, but, um, okay. You know like postpartum depression that seems to have just exploded a couple of years ago. Like that's finally yes. being recognized. Yes. So I hope yeah. that post-adoption depression is not far behind it because this is also right. a, a very real thing. And I think, I think I've mentioned it on one of these episodes before, but I feel like people don't talk about it because they're worried they're going to seem crazy and have their kids taken away. Yes. Yes. And yes. I know for yes. me, that was definitely one of the things that kept me from speaking up about it. Because right. I just wanted to portray this perfect outer image that everything was great once the adoption was final. Right. Well, I know too, like for for me personally, um, so many people, and I, and I do believe um, people just don't know mm-hmm. better. I agree. Um, <laughs> but um, we knew that Matthew had autism before we brought him home. And for a lot of people... Um, there was a big, okay, why? And we knew what we were getting ourselves into. And so, um, to say to people, 
like I'm scared or this doesn't make sense or I'm hurting or I'm grieving or um, I'm frustrated or whatever. It was kind of like, but you knew that Mm -hmm. already. Uh, You know, I was so afraid that people were going to look at me and say, well, isn't that what you Mm -hmm. chose? And so instead of kind of feeling that shame or that rejection, I just didn't Mm -hmm. say anything. I was the exact same way. So you kind of touched on this before, but when did you know when something wasn't right? I remember um, it was about a month after we got the official diagnosis of Matthew's Mm -hmm. autism. So Matthew was diagnosed in Korea, but the standards for autism are different here in the States. And so we had to have like, we had to have him re-diagnosed basically. Um, And it was about a month afterwards and things were just hard. I mean, hard. And, um, I remember the kids, my older three were downstairs, like watching a movie. And one of the things that Matthew has always loved was water. And I put him in the bath and I was sitting on the toilet. Like, you know, you sit on, like I'm not yeah. on the toilet, but I know what you, mean. you know, I'm sitting yes. on the toilet. He, the bath water's mm-hmm. running. And, um, Matthew was, didn't have a whole lot of strength. I mean, even though he was two years old, he, he was not walking very well and just very um, insecure about where things like physically, like where things actually mm-hmm. were and just his depth perception was off. And so anyway, so I'm sitting on the bath or on the toilet, he's in the bath and the water's running. And I just remember thinking, not saying out loud, but thinking to myself, I'm just going to let, I'm just going to let the water run. Mm-hmm. And and maybe things will just be better. Gosh. And then, you know, instantly you go, what yes. the hell? Like, are you, are you out of your mind? You know, and it's like, yes, yes, you are out of your mind. And then the other one's like, no, this makes sense. This is too hard. You didn't ask for it. I mean, you know, it's like you've got, I mean, it's a battle. It's an internal mm-hmm. battle. And so I walked away. I remember I walked out into the hallway. I could still see him. And I walked back in and I turned the water off and I just sat there. And, and at that point I was terrified. I was terrified of mm-hmm. myself. I was terrified of, okay, I, I'm, it's registering to me that something is not right. It's registering to me that I'm no longer even safe to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, something has to change. But then that's kind of where it stops because who do I want to mm-hmm. call? Who do I want to say, okay, I just had this. Who wants to say, oh, by the way, Katie, I had this thought right. today. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's embarrassing. And that's such a lame excuse for not getting help. I think help, you, but... in some sense, would feel like a failure. I know I felt like a failure. Um, yes. Like, yes. even though I knew something was off, I just, I still felt like I had failed at doing yes. this. So. Right. Yes. Oh, that's a great way to put it. I wish I could hug Sorry. you right now. <laughs> no, thank you so much for sharing that because I think this is such a good conversation and just to put this out there so people know that they're not alone if they do have thoughts like this. Yeah. And so thank you so yeah. much for feeling comfortable enough to share that. And if you do change your mind about that, just let me know and I'll edit it out. <laughs> so, um, Sounds good. So did you share this with anyone like your husband or, you know, a doctor or anything? Um, well, it was kind of, um, 
I love my husband Mm -hmm. dearly and he is a wonderful man. Um, but just the whole idea of anxiety and depression is not something that he has ever really been able to grasp. Mm -hmm. Um, so post-adoption depression was definitely not something he was able to grasp. Um, but as that day continued, um, and I just continued to distance myself from Matthew and the kids and pretty much everybody, I just was like, and I don't, I'm afraid to mm-hmm. be near y'all. Um, but Brian came home and I, I was angry at that point. At that point, I think I was, I was scared. I was furious with myself for having these thoughts and these emotions and not knowing how to process that. I just became angry mm-hmm. and, um, he walked in the door and it was like an immediate, like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I don't, I don't want to be with you. I don't want to be with my mm-hmm. kids. I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do this. I didn't ask for this. This is too hard. You promised me it would get better. It's not getting better. I don't want to live like this for the rest of my life. I mean, just unleashing, you know, tears mm-hmm. pouring down my face and I'm screaming and I'm again, completely outside of myself. Um, but just done, yeah. just completely done. Um, and I, um, got in the car and I drove around for a long time and just still just, scr- I mean, I remember like holding the wheel and like screaming at the mm-hmm. top of my lungs. And, um, I ended up at a friend's house and <laughs> so funny because it's not funny, but her, she tells me some of the parts about this story that I don't quite remember because things were such mm-hmm. a blur, but, um, she said that her daughter came up to her and said, mom, mom, there is, there is like, something is happening and there, there, it's this noise and it's outside and I don't know what's going on. Well, it was, was and I, I was sobbing and just laying on her front porch. I couldn't even like muster the strength to knock on the door or to even text Mm -hmm. and say, can I, can I come by? It was just, I just found myself you know, in what felt like a safe place, I'm assuming Mm -hmm. it just in pieces, it just in pieces. Wow. (laughs) Um, I think I remember that part of your story and I think that's such a visceral, like visceral representation of what this feels like in a physical sense. Yes. Like you're just gutted and you have nothing left. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's beautiful. So, um, after you realized you were suffering from some sort of depression or something was going on, um, after you went to your friend's house, what was your, your next steps? What were your next steps? Um, Sorry. So I'm a teacher. I should know how to say things correctly. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, so, and some of these pieces are just a blur because I think you're, um, I mean, I just remember trying to serve the emotion mm-hmm. of being completely out of control. Um, but, you know, my friend just, I just remember her, you know, just not even asking me anything, but just laying there with me and just crying with me and like rubbing my back. And um, 
eventually, you know, I told her I needed to go. And I think I was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I think I was so embarrassed that like, I had finally said to somebody like, this is hard. And, and I don't really know what this is going to look like in the future. And I feel like a failure and I don't have anywhere. I don't have anybody to talk to. Um, I think I was like mm-hmm. embarrassed. And so I just kind of left. Um, and I ended up, <laughs> this is terrible. I ended up sleeping in my car that night in the parking lot. Oh, of man. Store. Um, I think, I think it was like, I think again, it was just this mm-hmm. shame and embarrassment of now I can't go home. Like my family thinks mm-hmm. I'm crazy. You know, my husband thinks that I cannot be trusted mm-hmm. around my kids, which probably at that point was true. Um, just, you know, wh- what am I? Th- okay. I'm not calling my mom and dad. Like they already think I'm nuts for bringing this boy <laughs> home. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> That's probably, that's probably not fully yeah, true. That was but your yes, perception, like people did. They were like, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, so I just slept in my car. Here's my minivan, <laughs> you know? And, <laughs> um, but the next morning I talked to a, um, a dear, dear friend of mine who lives in another mm-hmm. state and, um, she has lots of, um, family history with anxiety and depression. And she's also one of those friends that's like a friend that can talk you off the ledge mm-hmm. and can kind of speak truth and love and um she said amanda you, you need help mm-hmm. and this this isn't a kind of like you just need like to go take a bubble bath mm-hmm. this is a you need to make a doctor's appointment you need to go see a counselor and it doesn't matter what your husband thinks mm-hmm. this is what this is what you need to do mm-hmm. and she was as bold as even to call my husband and say, I know this is hard for you. I know this is something that you don't understand, Mm -hmm. but I'm speaking to you out of my own personal experience, not necessarily with post-adoption depression or anxiety, but with depression and anxiety and mental health disorder in general Um, and saying, you know, she needs help and it's not the kind of help you can give her. And you can't, you can't, you know, spa her way out of this. Mm -hmm you know, this, this is something that's much deeper and you, you've got to get help. Yeah. I love that so. you mentioned that because I think the, um, notion of self-care people always think, Oh, just take a bubble bath and you'll feel better. Right. But this is so yes. much more like deeply rooted yes. and you could yes. take a hundred bubble baths and it is not going to fix this. <laughs> so right. I definitely right. think seeking professional help if you are feeling, you know, any way that you think is not, you know, what you should right. be feeling like, just talk to a doctor, even just to rule it out. Yes. Yes. And, you know, to be honest with you, I remember um, the first, I re- oh gosh, I remember it so much. Um, me, I remember going to the doctor and I remember sitting in the chair and me thinking, how am I going to say this? Mm-hmm. How am I going to say this? What am I going to say? And... I, I like rehearsed it in my mm-hmm. mind over and over and over again, because one, I don't want to admit my right. weakness. And two, is this doctor going to take my, my kids away? Like what, you know, what's going to happen? I mean, how is mm-hmm. this going to happen? How's this going to go down? You know, I think there's so much fear yes. involved. And, um, I just remember sitting there and like twiddling my thumbs and being like, um, I think I'm experiencing <laughs> some like, <laughs> some anxiety just a touch and you know and then they have you like fill out that like paperwork and it's like one to five and I'm like do I have to turn this in (laughs) are you gonna look at this (laughs) you know but it was just but I'm telling you as soon 
like, it's kind of like, you know, like taking that first step. Like as soon as I made the phone call, the next conversation was easier. Yes. And then once I got into the office and I had to talk to the nurse, the, the next conversation was easier. And, you know, I had to fill out the paper and the next conversation, it just got easier and easier and easier. And so I think we have to understand that we just got to mm-hmm. do it. And, you know, it's going to get easier. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be hard. We're not going to like all of it, but we right. need to do it. And I think it's just a good reminder, like humility and putting your pride aside because, Ultimately, once you take care of your mental health, you are able to give 100% of yourself and the best version of yourself as a wife and mom. Yes. And I kind of tried to think of it like that. Like I was shorting them by not taking care of myself. So, um, so do you, I mean, this is kind of a personal question. Do you feel like you're on the other side of that now? I do. I do. Um, it was a long season of taking medication, of going to therapy sessions, um, of doing a lot of digging in my own mm-hmm. trauma. I think um, for me personally, um, bringing Matthew home and having just a list of unknowns brought up a lot of my own trauma in my own history of adoption and unknowns and mm-hmm. all of that. And I think... Um, I was trying to, in a sense, save this little boy that really didn't need to be Mm -hmm. saved. He um, just needed to be loved. And, you know, I think I was trying to, I don't know, put pieces of the puzzle that weren't part of his puzzle. They were a part of mine. And I was trying to make sense out of them. And so therapy was really um, beneficial for me. And, you know, medication was just something that I needed Mm -hmm. for the season. And, um, you know, surprisingly COVID for me has been a huge blessing. I know for a lot of people that has not been the case, but, um, for me it has, and it's given me the time to, I'm kind of a distractor (laughs) instead of having to like feel my feelings or, I mean, I'm not afraid to talk about my feelings, but, um, I I just want to stay busy. So I don't kind of have to go there. Um, and with COVID, everything shut down and I didn't have anything to distract me anymore. Right. And so I, I just, I had to do the mm-hmm. hard work. And for me, that, that just brought life and it, it opened up, you know, ways that I learned, you know, I walk in my driveway. My, I, we live out in the country and we have kind of a long driveway. Mm-hmm. It's not that long, <laughs> but I can't, you know, I can't leave my kids and go for a run in the Mm -hmm. neighborhood or whatever. And, and so I walk up and down my driveway and for me, it's, it's time to breathe. It's, I got to get my body moving. You know, I'm like, (laughs) yes, like I'm outside and it's just something that I need. I would have never walked my driveway had COVID. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, please, but just, you know, it's just been, it's been good for me. So, So, I know you said walking. Are there any other things that you do to maintain your mental health after going through post-adoption depression? Um, yes. Um, I think it's, um, for me, medication was not just the only mm-hmm. thing I needed. I needed therapy. I needed counseling. I needed um, an accountability partner. Um, I needed people real people, real friends that could call me and say, how are you? And then say, no, how are you yes, really? We all need those friends. Um, 
we all, all, and it doesn't mean that we need to spill our beans mm-hmm. to everybody. Not everything is Instagram post worthy. You know, we, we've got to learn to keep our buckets tight, but having those handful of people that, you know, just, just call me and text me and say, well, how's it going? Okay. That's great. How are, like, how's your soul? How are you doing on the inside? Mm-hmm. Um, has been great. And, you know, reading a book, taking time to just, um, not read self-help, but, you know, read a fiction mm-hmm. novel or something that you enjoy. Um, to me, I, I've always loved reading. So that's something that's me good too. Me. I find that has been a theme with all of my podcast guests that we all like reading. Really? Yes. It's so interesting <laughs> yeah. to me. Um, so do you have any advice for the adoptive or foster moms listening who might be dealing with post-adoption oppression or anxiety? Um, and do you have any advice for them as far as maintaining their mental health? Um, well, I think I would go as far to say that if you think you might have it, you mm-hmm. probably do. I would agree with that hundred percent. Um, a lot of people, one, a lot of people don't know about it. And so just educating yourself, even if you're, um, if you, if you yourself are not an adoptive mom or a foster care mom, but you know, somebody who was who is going through the foster care mm-hmm. process or going through the adoption process, just mentioning, Hey, I think you would enjoy the research on post-adoption depression because it is, I think it's a lot more common than yes. what we think. And, um, I think, you know, how kind of like people talk about baby mm-hmm. blues, the difference between baby blues and post-adoption depression. I think we all, as adoptive moms or foster moms go through baby blues, we may not experience the full throttle of the post-adoption depression, but I think we all go through a time period where kind of the honeymoon phase mm-hmm. is over and we're like, Oh, sh- Oh shit. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I mean, to put it frankly, no, sorry, you're fine. if you need to edit no, that out, this is a safe space. You um, say whatever your heart <laughs> desires, my friend. Um, but you know, I think we all kind of go through that. I do. I think for some of us, it continues and it kind of, it is a Mm -hmm. spiral. I don't, I don't, I haven't talked to anybody who just woke up one morning and they were just in the dump. I think there's a a moment where kind of it all Mm -hmm. hits the fan. You might want to say, but I do believe it's a spiral and it's a slow spiral. And before you know it, you're Mm -hmm. in the dark and you don't know how to get out. So I think I would just say that if, if it's something that you think you might have or something you might be experiencing, just, just you are, and, you know, call your doctor, call a friend, send me an instant <laughs> like I did. message or whatever those things. Yeah. You know, re- reach to somebody, out. Like you've got even to, a complete yes, stranger just, on Instagram. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, but I, you know, I do think it's important for us as women to realize that we're not yes, alone in Absolutely. Right. Well, um, if you don't have anything else to add, I think it is time for roses and thorns. I do. I do want to say one thing. Uh, Well, I could probably say, but, um, one of the things that, um, I don't know, you tell me if, and see foster care, I know is different than uh, adoption. So I would love to know like your thought process on this, but, um, when we brought Matthew home, we did like this cocooning period. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of that? Um, Isn't that like where you don't go anywhere and you kind of stay at home? Yeah. Like we literally, we literally, yeah. Like we did COVID before COVID (laughs) was a thing. You were quarantining way back then. (laughs) Yes. 
We were, we were, we literally, um, nobody was allowed to touch him. Uh, nobody was allowed to feed him, not okay. even our kids. Um, we, I mean, we did it like severe and I think, well, I know, I don't think one, um, Matthew was severely neglected. And so that was one thing that was really okay. important to me was that he kind of learned to right. attach because I was afraid of reactive attachment disorder. Um, and that came from my own trauma because I had reactive attachment mm-hmm. disorder. And so I'm living this cycle and this fear of, okay, well, if we don't attach, we got to attach, we got to attach, we got to attach. And it was all about him attaching to me, but it was never about me attaching. Mm, to him. That's so good. Yes. And, you know, I think, I think that's what we forget. We forget. I know I did. I just forgot about, you know, it's not just him that needs to, you know, learn to trust and to love and, mm-hmm. and to open up his heart to me. It's, it's me. I've got to learn how to love and trust and open myself right. up to him. Um, but in that period of cocooning, as I called it, um, I think because we were in that period of cocooning, I'm just going to call it that. I mean, I, it, I really I don't know like why, that. But I just, very cozy. Okay. <laughs> I just think, like, we're going to keep him in mm-hmm. his cocoon until he's yes. a beautiful butterfly. Um, <laughs> but um, I think people were afraid because I was so adamant, like, no, you can't pick him up. No, don't touch him. Don't don't mm-hmm. even look at him. Like, I mean, I was so afraid that I steered people away from bringing us meals or calling or stopping mm-hmm. by or kind of celebrating with us. I think I, I almost made people fearful. And I guess looking back, I, I, I'm still very thankful that we did that cocooning process. I think it was important to, for him. Um, but I wish that I would have been open to the idea mm-hmm. of help, even with cocooning. Like I could have, we could have still had people come, we just maybe have set boundaries on, you know, we just ask you don't pick him up or, you know, whatever. Um, I just wish I would have been more accepting to people who were trying. They, they don't know what to do. People don't, they don't. know what to do. They, <laughs> they, they mean, I mean, they mean well and they think they're doing the right thing and, and people, they just don't know what to do. They Mm-mm. just don't. They don't. And, and so I think instead of kind of just saying, well, we're just not going to do anything. I wish I would have been just more accepting and more open to mm-hmm. help. And when people, when people offered, you know, I had one friend who just, I don't know if it was just the Lord that told her she's having a bad day and she needs help or what, but she just called me and she said, I have dinner for you. Aww. If you've already made dinner, it's okay. This meal is freezable. You do not have to come to the door. I'm putting it on your front porch. She said, I'll be there at Mm. five. And even to this day, I mean, three years later, it makes me cry. Like, like you have no, I don't think she'll ever know how much that meant to me. It was, it was not a question of, well, how can I help you? What do you need? It was just, I have a meal for you. You don't have to eat it today. I'm bringing it by. I don't care what you look like. I'm not even going to ask you to come to the door, but here it is. This Mm -hmm. is for you because I know, I know you need help right now. And I think that just speaks volumes of just don't ask. Just Just do do it. Yes. 
Just do it. Yes, Just because do it. food is like a universal love language. And I think yes. if you just drop it off and don't even expect anything in return, that's even better. So yes. I am yes. completely, yes, yes for that. <laughs> so yes. um, for Roses and Thorns, if you are tuning in today for the first time, Roses and Thorns is a time to discuss a high and a low from the week. I like to start with the thorn, so we end on a good note. So Amanda, do you have a thorn for this week? Oh, goodness. Well, um, (laughs) Matthew um, struggles with sleep. And so that is like a big thorn. We are in another phase of not sleeping. And um, yeah, I mean, we're up from usually three or four hours in the middle of the night. Oh, goodness. So it's it's a process. Yes, it's it's daunting. So we've, we've had a good long stretch of about four months of actually sleeping in the last Last week, we've kind of gone into this phase of being oh, up again. Oh, so. regression. Uh, yes. Well, I pray that it ends soon for y'all and you can sleep again. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to need it. We're going to need it. <laughs> and let me just say, I feel like talking to you about Southern accents coming out because, you know, I'm from Georgia. So, <laughs> no, don't apologize. So I, I find myself doing this and sometimes it makes me feel really fake, but... It's just like, you no, know, like when you get around somebody that talks like you, you don't have to like monitor your accent as much. Yes. So I think that's what it is. Well, <laughs> well, let me tell you, let me tell you this. So I used to, um, I was a hairdresser before I had Ansley and Easton and decided to stay home. But um, whoever I, my last client was, that's who I would mm-hmm. come home as. <laughs> so if I funny. had like, you know, bubbly <laughs> Betsy, it would be like, hey, how are you? But if I had like, you know, I don't know, like, I'm trying to think of a like negative Nancy or something. I would be like, no, get out of here. That is too funny. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But it would, it would like Brian, my husband would be like, I never know who you're going to come home at. Like having multiple like personalities almost. Yes. And it's just, I think like, we we really don't realize like how much people Mm -hmm. feed, like how much we feed off of other people. Yeah, that's completely true. I'd have to tell him, you know, well, you better be cautious because I've got such a tonight. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. So, no, anyway, you are fine. Um, I just, every time I say something with an I in it, that's when my, my draw comes out in my, <laughs> oh. so anyway, um, my thorn for this week is, and I'm sure everybody has heard about it, the passing of Chadwick Boseman. So most everybody knows him as the actor who portrayed Black Panther and this incredible man had been battling cancer since 2016 and still managed to star in so many top movies, which just blows my mind. And I don't typically feel a connection to celebrities, but he was one I did feel a connection to. And I don't know if it's just because he portrayed a character who my son finally resonated with or he saw wow. a man who looked like him in Hollywood and looked up to him. Um, mm-hmm. But my heart is just is really broken for his family and the world and just all those boys and girls who yes. finally had somebody that mm-hmm. looked like them that was starring in movies. So yes. um, I know it's, it sounds really cliched, but my thoughts and prayers really are with his family and everyone who is affected by his passing because I know our family has really taking it kind of hard and 
typically yeah. we're not, you know, very involved with the Hollywood scene, but this one, this one hurt. So. Right. But, right. Mm. That was a yeah, good thing. That was a good thing. Well, I, no, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> I know what you meant, but <laughs> no, okay. and we're still trying to figure out exactly how to like talk about it with our son. So that's just, that's a thorn for another day. Right. But uh, that's right. Now, how old is your son? He just turned eight at the end of July. Oh, so oh, wow. he's, yeah. yeah, he's at that cusp of, of that, you know, not really a little kid anymore, but kind of getting oh, more yeah. aware of things. Hey, but you know what? He's eight and Easton's eight and he has a snail. <laughs> so, I mean, I say these boys I mean, could be bugs so. and they could just have Maybe pet snails. Maybe need to look into that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I feel like it's really low maintenance. So that might be a good choice. It is. You just have to blanch cucumbers. Hmm. That's how you feed That's them. That's interesting. And so it's that really doesn't not sound bad. too too bad. Anyway, no, you're sorry. fine. I I told you I'm totally <laughs> engrossed in the snail story now. Um, okay, so do you have a rose for this week? Um, I think I would say that um, just um, Matthew turned five, and um, I think birthdays are kind of bittersweet, especially with okay. a special needs child, because you kind of I mean, unfortunately, we tend to look at the things that they still aren't doing that they right. should be doing. Um, but he has just, I feel like, I mean, just in the last like day or two, he has just blossomed. I mean, he's just, he's funny Aww. and he's like coming out with this little personality and, um, you know, he still kind of says like very short sentences and um we went for a ride yesterday in the jeep and we took our dog who's 13 and probably is not going to make it much longer (laughs) and my husband was like let's just take her for a ride we just need to take her for a ride and so I was like okay so Matthew hops in the jeep and he goes dog jeep (laughs) oh precious and it was just precious and he just petted her like the whole time and just loved her being you know and he would just cackle and giggle and then like thought it was so funny that the dog got to ride in the jeep it was just like you know but it just gave me so much hope that um just to see how far he's come and um just to know that the journey's not over and who's to say where he's gonna go so I love that. And that was an amazing rose. So that was a very good choice. Thank you for sharing that with me. <laughs> um, so my rose for this week is just realizing that we really have to enjoy the simple things in life. Um, on Friday night, so the night we're recording this is Monday night, but yeah. Friday okay. we let our kids have a sleepover in the living room and it was such a small thing for us to do for them, but they thought it was the coolest. Like we were the best parents yes. and we let them watch movies and um, it's just, it's such wow. a small thing, but it brought them so much joy. And that's what I'm really trying to focus on right now is just bringing joy to those around me. So in my home and in my classroom, wow. because everything is so chaotic in this world right now. And yes. if I can just help somebody, you know, enjoy those little moments and have a little bit more joy then. You know, I feel like I love it's a it. good day. So that I is my it. rose for this week is just enjoying the simple things in life. So, I so love it. that's a good you. rose. So Amanda, <laughs> can you please share where the listeners can find you online? 
Well, you can find me online on Instagram at amanda.mcw. And um, I share a lot about Matthew and our story of adoption and just autism and our crazy yes, life. But that is so fun. <laughs> like, I love that you have a public profile because I feel like everybody who listens to this podcast is, they just need to know you because you guys are amazing oh, and you have an so amazing sweet. story. And you, like I said, you will always hold a special place in my heart because you were there in one of my darkest moments. Um with this post-adoption journey. So, um, you will never know how much you mean. <laughs> so, well, you were brave and that's, you know, what everybody else needs to understand is that, you know, you're not alone. You got to reach out and that's exactly yes. what you did. So. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you so much for sharing your story with post-adoption oppression. Um, Thank you for yes. having me. It's been a, a yes, blast. Yes, I had so much fun too. So, um, and I guess we will talk to you later. <laughs> All, All right. right. Sounds great. Thank Thanks you. for having me. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So that is going to wrap up this episode of the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. The Millennial Foster Mom Podcast can be found on almost any podcast listening app. If you listen through Apple Podcasts, I would so appreciate if you would leave a positive review. I'm up to eight reviews so far. With more reviews and downloads, the podcast will show up in more searches and can reach more foster and adoptive moms. If you could please leave a review or a rating, I would so appreciate it. And a huge thank you to everyone who has already taken the time to leave a rating and a review. The Millennial Foster Mom Podcast is created using an app called Anchor. I hope this episode helped you to learn a little bit more about post-adoption depression and anxiety. I think it's really beneficial to hear stories of women who have gone through this and can share what they've gone through and how their depression manifested. Or if you are currently walking through this, please know that you are not alone. If you would like to add to anything we've mentioned today, reach out and I'll share with the listeners. If you would like to connect, you can find me on the Millennial Foster Mom Instagram page, or you can email me at the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. And remember, motherhood is hard no matter how you get there. But together, we've got this, mamas. Talk to you next week.